Welcome to the Watershed Teaching Podcast. Watershed is the high school ministry of Perimeter Church in Johns Creek, Georgia. Perimeter Church is part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Watershed is a place where we hope high school students would connect, receive, and transform. We want to see students connect with God and others through healthy community, receive His truth through gospel-centered, grace-based teaching, and be transformed by the gospel to then go transform their world. Thank you for downloading this podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.perimeter.org slash watershed. Hey. Oh, hey. Hey. Hey, what's up, y'all? How are y'all doing? Watershed. How are we, how are we feeling? How are we feeling? Clap your hands. Y'all feeling good? Feeling good? Feeling great? Cole Nickel, how are you feeling? Good? West Nickel. Why did I say Cole? I know a Cole Nickel. Maybe later. Hey. So, hey, here's the deal. Uh, we are in part two, week two of this series. Look at your screen. It's called Meeting Jesus. In case you're wondering, we're going to talk about meeting Jesus. I know. We get really creative sometimes, and it's just... But last week, last week, Jeff was on stage, and he kicked us off. And, and he kicked us off in the series where he talked about uh, a guy named Jose and someone named Sam who he met at Starbucks, and then he explained to us that what he was doing was, was kind of painting a different picture of a story that, that we know really well, the story of the Samaritan woman, right? And he challenged us. Uh, he told us about three changes that, that she and, and really we need to make when we have an encounter with Jesus, because that's what this whole series is about. This whole series is about people and groups of people encountering Jesus for the first time. So when he was talking about the Samaritan woman, he talked about three things. One, he talked about we need to have a change in perspective. We need to have a change in the way that, that we look at people. So often our world uh, labels people. We're labeled in our schools, social, me- social media. It, it labels us. And Jeff reminded us that we're not called to look at people that way. Our perspective should be that this person in front of us is an image bearer. This is the image of God in front of us. So we should look at people in, in, in that way, not from a perspective of the way that the world is, but the way that God sees them. He said we should change, uh, we should have a change in what satisfies. He, in, in the story, he talked about the fact that this woman uh, not only was, was trying to seek this, you know, she was, she was thirsty, so she literally went to a well for water because water was going to satisfy her, but she was going to different men. She was trying to find satis- satisfaction in, in men. And I think for a lot of us, we try to do the same kind of thing. Maybe it's not having four husbands. I don't recommend that. But maybe it's, it's in different things that the world is throwing at you. Maybe you're trying to find satisfaction in, in being popular. Maybe it's satisfaction in, in your grades. Maybe it's satisfaction in being the best uh, soccer player or the best whatever. And, and the truth is this, that the only thing that can satisfy us is Jesus. Which leads to the third thing that Jeff talked about, that we should have a change in our priorities. Because for this woman... When she encountered Jesus, her priorities changed. It was no longer about what she needed to get at the well. It was no longer about this fifth man she was with who wasn't even her husband. It was about telling everybody she knew in the town that she lived about this guy named Jesus. So a change in perspective, a change in what satisfies, and a change in, uh, and a change in priorities. And this week what we're going to do is we're going to be in John chapter 8. So if you want, if you have your Bible, you can turn to John 8. 
starting in verse 1. If you don't have it, we'll have the verses in, in the screen. But we're going to talk about a different encounter that Jesus has with a different woman. And we're just going to jump right into the word. This is starting in verse 1. It says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. And Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and he said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up, said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. I think when we read this story, I I hope you all do this. Let me encourage this. Whenever you guys are reading your Bible, you hear somebody uh, teaching from up front, put yourself in the story. Make it come to life for you. So for a lot of people, I think when they do that, they, they try to, to put themselves in Jesus' shoes, which sounds crazy, but we do that from time to time. And here's why. One, we're Christians, which literally means little Christ. So we're like little baby Jesuses running around. And because we're little baby Jesuses, we think that we're good. We think that we're righteous. So we try to, we hear the story and want to put ourselves in his shoe, that we're the person who's, who's saying, neither do I condemn you. Like, go in peace. Or for some of us in this room, this was me when I was in high school, we relate more to the woman who's caught in the act of adultery. Maybe, maybe we're, we're in the middle of going through something. We're, we're, in, we're living this life we know we shouldn't be living. And maybe we've been caught. And maybe we haven't been caught and you're going to. But it's easier for us to relate to this woman. When the truth is this, I think for most of us, I think for most of us who we are in this story is the Pharisees. Because I think for a lot of us in here, we look at our goodness, we look at our self-righteousness, and we think that we are better than the person in front of us, which therefore gives us the right to point our fingers, gives us the right to judge, gives us the right to look down on them. When the truth is this, yes, they are broken, but so am I. And we all need Jesus. We all need Jesus. I remember when I was in college about a thousand years ago, and uh, I was sitting there in my buddy's house. And this is one of these houses like no college kid should have a house this, like this. Like it was right off of campus. It was two stories with, with a basement. They had a pool table, which was legit. That turned into a ping pong table, made it more legit. And we would just hang out there all the time. So uh, my buddy Brad owned the house. Other Brad lived in the house with Chris and with Billy. And I was the fifth roommate, which when you guys get to college, that's the dream. You want to be the fifth roommate. You want to be the guy who everyone thinks lives at this house, but you don't have to pay rent. 
That's the dream, guys. That's who you want to be. Like, I mean, I would even, I would throw parties at my friend's house. Like, I'd be like, oh, hey, by the way, uh, a bunch of people are coming over. They're like, why? I was like, I don't know. And so it just happened. But one of these days, it wasn't one of those crazy nights. It was a night where we were just playing Halo. We were just playing Halo, which, hey, by the way, guys or girls, if you ever need somebody uh, that you know you're better than at a video game, I'm your guy. Like, if you need someone, like, to make you look good in video games, like, oh, I'm not really good. Like, invite me over. I'll make you feel better about yourself. That's just a fact. Um, except for FIFA. I'm not bad at FIFA. Um, I don't know why I told you that. I'm not. I'm not bad. But so anyway, so, so me and, and my four not roommates, but kind of roommates, we're just sitting there. And I think it was other Brad who, uh, he just asked this question. He goes, if you could, and he's playing this video game, if you could, and he looks down, pick any moment in the Bible to be at, which one would it be? Have you ever asked, that self, asked yourself that question? Probably not. You should. Uh, and so he, he made some, like, some rules. There's like stipulations. He was like, all right, first of all, you can't say the birth or resurrection of Jesus. And we all threw something at him. And then he said, uh, and you can't, you know, we can't all have the same story. I was like, okay, fine. So first, my buddy Billy, who's, who's just in the zone, he was probably the best of us at Halo. And he goes, in all of his wisdom, I don't know. I was like, well done, Billy. You're so smart. And then uh, my buddy Chris, who really was that smart, he goes, ooh, the cross. I said, you suck up. And really, I was just jealous because that's what I was going to say. I was going to say the cross because if you're a good Christian, that's what you say. And he said the cross, so I couldn't say it. Then uh, other Brad, he goes, I want to be the Sermon on the Mount. I was like, why would you do that? But he did. He wanted to be the Sermon on the Mount. And so me, I point to John 8. I point to John 8. I say, this is where I want to be. And here's why. Here's what we're going to do is we're going to read it again. We're going to read it again. We're going to break it up. And I'm going to tell you why this is the moment in all of Scripture where if I could just be there, this is where I would be. So I'm going to read it again. It says, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning. He came again to the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and he taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? And this they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. I just want to know what he's drawing. That's really it. There's nothing super deep. I just want to know what it is. But here's, here's the moment, though. Like, put yourself in this moment like I, I try to do. Jesus is at the temple teaching because that's what he does. He's the great teacher. People have come from all over to hear him, to see him, to see what he's going to do, to hear what he's going to say. So this room is crowded with people who want to be in front of Jesus. And then the doors open and a group of religious leaders come through, drag in this woman who's been caught in the act of adultery. It's as if like in this very moment, those doors right there opened up and it'd be really cool if I planned it like this and they did, but I didn't do that. But it'd be like if somebody, if a group of men dragged somebody into this room right now and interrupted what was happening. It would be the craziest thing in the world, and that's what's happening. And they're doing this for one reason. It's a trap. Because these religious, these religious leaders have grown jealous of Jesus. They've grown jealous of the intention that he is getting. They're getting jealous of his popularity. So they're trying to trap him so they can arrest him, so that they can maybe uh, kill him, 
or stone him, whatever they want to do. They're, they're trying to get their place back up top. And so they've, they've set this trap and they bring in this woman who's been caught in the act of adultery. It, it wasn't after the fact. Like she wasn't like riding on a camel and then gets pulled over by the, like the cops and say, hey, by the way, you need to come over here. It's that she wasn't at the grocery store. She didn't get a text from her friend like, hey, so-and-so is looking for you because you got caught. No, she got caught in the act of adultery. It was happening. So chances are when this woman was, was, was brought to Jesus, when she was brought into the temple, when she was brought in front of this huge crowd that she had little to no clothes on. She has been caught in the act of adultery. And it's this trap. And the trap is this. The question is this, is Jesus, what are you going to do? Jesus, what, what are you going to do about this? Well, the law of Moses says we're supposed to stone such a woman as this. So here's the thing. So if Jesus says, yeah, absolutely. Like, I'll throw the first rock. Let's, let's do this now. If that's his answer, if that's Jesus' answer, then all of his, 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 his uh, life, his ministry, where he's talking about love and mercy is thrown out the window. But if he says, no, no, don't do anything, don't do anything, then he's ignoring the very law that points to him, the very law that God gave Moses for us. So the Pharisees ask Jesus, what are you going to do? And all eyes are on Jesus. Everyone's waiting. They're listening. What's he going to say? What's he going to do? Is he going to pick up a rock? And it says that Jesus gets down on his knees and begins to draw. All eyes are on Jesus. And, and, and for me, like, I, I joked that I want to see what he, he drew. And that's true. I did. Like, is he doing like a Roman's road? You know what I'm saying? With like the cliffs with the cross in the middle? Is he showing them what he's going to do there? I have no idea. But it doesn't matter what he's going to do. What he's, it doesn't matter what he's drawing. Because all eyes are on Jesus. So imagine that, that all eyes are on Jesus. And this is what happens. It says, and as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him, let him who is without you or without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. All have sinned. And that's why these people are getting up because not one of them is without sin. Not one of them is, can, can pick up this stone. And they're walking out. But still all eyes are on Jesus. All of sin, all eyes are on Jesus. And here's the cool thing. When, and I, I, I meant to say this a minute ago. When all eyes are on Jesus and he bends down on the ground, do you know what everyone's looking at? It's Jesus. You know what they're not looking at anymore? The woman who's been brought in. And my guess is at this point that somebody's probably brought in a robe or some clothes to clothe her. Because people aren't worried about her anymore. Their eyes are on Jesus. And then Jesus says, let let he who is without sin, let him pick up the first stone. See, Romans 3.23 tells us that, that all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. And so for these, for these Pharisees, for these scribes, for these religious leaders, they know that they are 
filled with sin. They know that they are broken. That They know that they cannot pick up that stone. No one is worthy to pick up that stone. No one is worthy to judge them. No one's, nobody is without sin. So they, they can't condemn her any more than they can condemn themselves. Not one of us is without sin, except for Jesus. Jesus is without sin. Jesus could pick up a stone. Jesus could condemn her. But Jesus did not come to pick up a stone and condemn her or to condemn us of our sin. But Jesus came to pick up a cross so that he might forgive us of our sin. So that's what's happening here. He's, he's saying, he's like, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to condemn you. But he who is without sin condemn you. But that's none of us. It's none of the religious leaders. It's just him. But he says, no, I'm not going to condemn you. I came to forgive you. I came because I love you. He came to forgive us of the very sin that's killing us. He's, he came to forgive us of the very thing that's keeping us from picking up stones and stoning at anybody. So he took our sin so that we might live, so that we might be forgiven. Because only through Jesus are we. And here's how the story ends. It says that Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said that no one, Lord. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Because the truth is this, is that all who believe in Jesus are made righteous. Not one person could pick up a stone. Not one person could condemn her except for Jesus, but he doesn't. Instead, he says, go and sin no more. Believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus and, and you are forgiven. Because the truth is this, is that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done or you think you've done. The truth of the matter is that apart from Jesus, not one of us is good. Not one of us is righteous. But when we believe in Jesus, when we give over our lives to Jesus... We are made righteous in him, through him. We are not good, but we serve the one who is. So he, uh, Jesus shows this woman this love and this grace and this beauty. He shows her the gospel, and that's what he does with us as well. And when we're made righteous, the way that this woman in this story has been made righteous then we're also called to live a life of obedience. When, when we believe in Jesus and, and when we are made righteous and through him, we're also called to live in obedience. And that's the challenge for us today. That's the challenge for each one of us because each one of us in here, I think we probably have this idea that we are good, that we are pretty good. We have to remind ourselves daily that we are not. You can ask your D group leader, you can ask... Brittany or Jenna, you can ask Daniel or David, you can ask one of them, hey, am I good? And they'll tell you right away, no, you're not. You are not good. Kay will be like, no, you are not. Trust me. You can ask your mom and dad. You're not good, but that's the beauty of the gospel. And that's the beauty of this story is that not one of us are good, but Jesus did not come to condemn you, but to forgive you. He came because he loves you. And in that love, then we're called to obey him. And one of the chief ways we can do that 
It's by serving him and by serving others. We can obey him by obeying what he's calling us to do. Like Jeff was talking about last week, the way we, when we meet somebody, how we love them, how we see them, what satisfies us will change when we believe in Jesus and we're made righteous in him. We are just different people when we encounter Jesus, when we encounter the one who loves us and doesn't condemn us, the one who forgives us so that we might live. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you so much. Father, we just thank you so much for tonight, for Watershed, and for an opportunity to spend some time in your word. And Lord, I praise you for the fact that after this, we get to go into D groups. I pray that that time would be sweet. I pray that time would be filled with life. Jesus, I pray that you would be with my friends as, as they just discuss what's going on. Father, we love you. We thank you for what you are doing. We pray this all in your name. Amen.